Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Deadline's New Hollywood Podcast. Um, if you need a reminder, my name is Amanda Nduka, <laughs> just in case. Just in case. And just in case you don't know who I am, <laughs> my name is Dino Ray Ramos. Yeah. Thank you for listening, guys. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And so for this podcast uh, today, we have Amanda Stanberg, who is the star of The Hate You Give on that Fox just released. Yeah. Um, it's a very powerful film, if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. It has to deal with police brutality. Um, and uh, and then there's also they do, they 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 highlight this concept called code switching, which I know I know I'm very familiar with it because I've I've lived it. Yeah. But like some a lot of people don't know what it is. It's you know like it's kind of a, a way for us to kind of I don't know what it's would like, you say. It's I like would a, say it's like a way you kind of shift gears in your head depending to, on who you're talking to, to or who you're depending on who with. your environment. Yeah. Like in in the movie The Hate You Give, uh, Amanda plays Star. Um, and she goes to a predominantly white, uh, white like school. private school. Yeah, but and she's then, from but like... But she lives in like, you know, uh, in, in a an, ur- an urban, yeah. quote unquote, area, as they say. Um, and then so she switches, she code switches from, yeah. each, from when she's at home and she kind of switches to do a different personality mm-hmm. or like tone of voice, how she presents herself yeah. at the school. And you, yeah. and you do it, and she says it in the podcast, but you do it... In a way, so people you're more digestible. To people, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it's um, like I said, I've been I I grew up like that too. You know, you 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 act you act a certain way to certain people, and sometimes you just you're not even doing it. You're not you're not conscious like you're doing it kind of unconsciously because yeah, you yeah. just feel like you just you have to do this. Like yeah. I said, to be more digestible. But yeah, um, and I think also it's it just it's kind of just not limited to like people do it all the time without even knowing. Honestly, yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. Not limited to just people of color, you know, LGBTQ community, but for them it's kind of there's like more. It's seems like there's more at stake yeah. for them to, yeah, exactly. to do that. Like, exactly. like if, a, if a gay person, they're like all, when they go to work, maybe they kind of have the code switch to mm-hmm. act quote unquote more straight. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Uh, but um, yeah, so we discussed that at length. Yeah, and I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad this movie, because like I said, I don't, I don't think people, I mean, now we've seen it more with like this film and um, uh, uh, what's the uh, Jordan Peele's film, but Get Out. Yeah. Um, how could you forget? How could you forget? <laughs> I know, right? Um, also with um, Boots Riley's film that just came out too. Oh, um, not, sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother you. You, yeah. you kind of see, you kind of see more and more people like tackling this concept. And I think it's, I think it's great. I think yeah. people should know. And, and, and then Amanda, Angela is just so awesome. I yeah. mean, she's so much more smarter than I am. And <laughs> right? I just said more smarter, so that should tell <laughs> yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I was thinking, like, what was I doing when I was... How, she's, like, 20? I don't know, I was like, but what was I doing when I was 20? She is wise beyond her she years. She is wise she's beyond her She's this oracle. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, like, the book... Uh, it's based on a book by Angie Thomas, which I, w- I highly recommend everyone read. The mm-hmm. movie's d- directed by George Tillman. It's out right now. Yeah, it's... And she does a remarkable job. And, you know, you may remember her from The Hunger Games. Right, yeah. She was also in Alma Asante's film, Where Hands Touch, and she's a friend of the podcast. Yeah, Alma she Asante, is. She so. is. So, cool. Yeah. So, without further ado, here's Amandala. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for coming to Deadline's New Hollywood Podcast. We are so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So um, we start, I just want to start your very beginnings. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you started off fairly, fairly young, um, but how has it been kind of being thrusted into the industry at such a young age? Um, hmm, I don't know if I have an objective perspective on that just because I have been doing it for yeah, so long yeah, yeah. that it's kind of normal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I started doing commercials in print when I was about four or five, and it wasn't, uh, I wasn't pushed into it. I wasn't forced to do it. It was always like school first, mm-hmm. make sure you 
get good grades, then you're allowed to go on auditions. So it was kind of like another extracurricular activity that I did. So I've been exposed to it for a long time, but it's it's always been not as important as just you know getting an education mm. and having a somewhat normal uh, <laughs> childhood and yeah. adolescence. Do you do you remember? I mean, you started really young, so I don't know if you would remember like what kind of inspired you to to get in the industry. Um, I mean. I'm trying to remember. I was very little. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I think I had some friends of mine who were doing commercials. Okay. And I just thought that was so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I went to my mom and I said, I want to do that too. And um, she actually did the work and got me mm-hmm. an agent. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, so like, so what about like when it comes to the roles that you've chosen specifically with roles like um, that we really see seen in The Hate You Give and Where Hands Touch, um, which we uh, we actually had we had um, Alma, on. Alma on the on the podcast. You did, yes. yeah. Oh my god, she's, she's amazing. She is amazing, and she was she looking is a powerhouse. I love her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh um, my god, she pops off. <laughs> yes, uh, no, love she, her. she 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 took us to school. Yeah, um, she definitely did. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm positive yeah. she did. Well, I'm glad that she was here. Yeah. That means that I have nothing else to add. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Um, but like, what have, how have like kind of your role choices? Has that kind of informed you as an artist and your like as as you as a person? Like, where is the yeah. I guess where is the through line? I think my role choices are kind of a classic case of the personal is political and the mm-hmm. political is personal, mm-hmm. and it's kind of this never ending cycle. Um, I've just chosen roles where I don't feel like I'm being forced into a trope where mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm being forced to portray a stereotype um, where I feel like I'm actually afforded the ability to be multidimensional and multifaceted. Mm-hmm. And because I'm a woman of color, that becomes inherently politicized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And there is definitely political intention behind my choices, um, but it's also just trying to exist as, as a black actress, mm-hmm. um, it becomes it becomes political in itself. But, and my roles have informed me in so many ways just because I've got to work with so many amazing people mm-hmm. uh, like Emma, mm-hmm. um, who just taught me the power of commanding a set as a woman. It comes from such a different place. It mm-hmm. comes from a place of offering up a space for people to do their best work and have the freedom to do them mm-hmm. as opposed to like a domineering place or a place um, that kind of stems from misogyny mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. patriarchy. Yeah. Um, also got to work with two other women, uh, Jennifer U. Nelson, mm-hmm. she directed The Darkest Minds, mm-hmm. uh, and Stella McGee yeah. directed this movie called Everything Everything. Yeah. So I don't know how it's happened, mm-hmm. but I've been able to work with amazing female directors and that has probably been the most informative. Yeah. Where do you where do you kind of get your like your activismness from? Where you're like, is there? I don't know. I I'm thinking back to when I because you're you're obviously you're super young, and I'm thinking back to when I was that young, and I'm like, I don't remember, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was being, a moron. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a moron too. Yeah, no, no, but you're just so outspoken, and you're so and I, and I love the fact that you do you are you you are young, and you use your platform to 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 do so. Yeah. So where did you find the confidence to do that? Um. Hmm. I mean, I feel like I really found it from my peers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm a part of a generation that has social activism or at least some sort of social awareness and mm-hmm. morality as like a really integral crux to how we operate in the world. And so oftentimes I don't feel like I'm necessarily that unique mm-hmm. in my perspective or what I want to do as an artist. 
but I just have a much larger platform. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's an inherent responsibility to wielding that well. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably I'd say, you know, my, my parents and my family and the way they raised me too, my, my mom was always uh, sharing just the most seminal kind of like black texts mm-hmm. and writers and poets with me and, you know, was exposing me to Alex Walker. Mm-hmm. I don't Alex, Alice Walker. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you were like, mm, yes, you were like, yes, go off. <laughs> um, <laughs> Alex Walker, uh, Toni Morrison, um, you know, Miles Davis, mm-hmm. just like really seminal black artists who I guess at their core are, are driven by activism or at least are driven by refusal to be policed. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, with, with the hate you give, okay, I'm gonna say straight up, like I remember watching it, I watched it, and I remember right before I watched it, I was reading, it was, it was a story about racism, and then the movie started, and I cried <laughs> at that movie multiple times. <laughs> so thank you for that. You are so welcome. <laughs> it was very cathartic. We need to cry more. Yes. Yeah. And, cry more, 2K19. Uh, yeah, I, I mean. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> that, right? Hashtag cry more, hashtag cry more. No, I was watching it, and it wasn't just because it was, there was there was a combination, you know, of me, you know, it was sad, of course, but also there was hope in, in there. But um, how do you hope that a story like The Hate You Give changes and shifts the conversation when it comes to killing unarmed black men or the treatment of people of color or any of marginalized community in general? Yeah, that's a we were hitting hard questions. Here. It's a, no, it's a full, it's a full ass question. Yeah, it's a, mm-hmm. I feel like that's my um, job. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like um, well, Angie's intention with the book, which is phenomenal, mm-hmm. um, was to offer up a space for those who don't get to feel represented in books and media, in whatever form, um, the ability to to feel seen and heard and. And she specifically wrote it for the kids in her neighborhood who were having to code switch, um, mm-hmm. but who weren't being validated in that experience. Uh, and so that was one of the main intentions of the project and bringing it to film uh, and knowing that it was going to be sh- shared on a really large platform and distributed to a lot of people, uh, that those who don't get to feel seen and heard usually, who don't get to see themselves on screen, uh, feel validated and understand that they're not alienated or, or isolated in their experience, even if it feels really lonely sometimes. Um, and then in terms of white people, <laughs> um, we wanted to ensure that, um, we wanted to ensure that we could cultivate a real sense of empathy from people. You know, there's, there's the understanding of things happening and looking at them analytically and objectively and trying to sympathize with them. But then there's the experience of walking in someone's shoes for a couple hours. And uh, the medium of film is like, the, I think, one of the most powerful in doing that, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. everyone knows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So that's why it felt really, um, it felt important to, to make this story uh, because we understood that it could kind of pull a sense of empathy for people of color um, out, out, of, out of those who are outside of the community that maybe they hadn't experienced before and, mm. and force them to think of us not through the lens of the tropes and the stereotypes that they have internalized from media or yeah. what they've seen on the news or, 
or even um, you know how they've normalized just the dehumanization and the and villainizing blackness. We hoped we could shake that up and mm-hmm. disrupt that and and make people see us as human, mm-hmm. afford us the mm-hmm. humanity that we deserve. Yeah. And so far the response has been great. It's been a lot of people crying. Of yeah. course. <laughs> My friend saw yeah. it yesterday and yeah. they talked like, yeah, we were crying the whole time. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean it's like it was just that there's that point where you're like, oh my God, I hope no one's seeing me cry. Yeah. But luckily <laughs> I was like in a press screening with like there were like ten other people in there, but I was like by myself and I had my hat on <laughs> and I was just like this sweet sweet lady (laughs) came up to me she was like this older white woman came up to me after one of the screenings and she was like I just didn't know it was like this for you people (laughs) and I was like the intention was so good though the intention was so good you gotta keep telling yourself yeah no and I think the concept of code switching is so important to tackle because first of all I don't think we really talk about it but I remember like I I grew up in a white neighborhood I went to like a predominantly white school and I remember and there was like we were next we were in the same district as like a predominantly black school mm-hmm. and I remember going you know first coming school and like getting that oh you don't talk black mm-hmm. mm. and then from the black folks it's like you know you don't talk white yeah. and I really inter- or you, you don't talk black and I really mm-hmm. internalized that so like I remember like I would like change the way I talk when I was around like my black friends or whatever mm-hmm. and then when I was on the white my my white friends it'd be different right. um but I just kind of thought that it was just something that I just had to do as as a, as, a, as a defense mechanism mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I didn't want to be seen as not being black enough or right. not fitting in with the white people because I had to live with them for, you know, yeah. for hours. So I think it's, and, and also thinking about my cousins who just moved here from Nigeria, my family's Nigerian, they had really thick accents and they started, they started school here immediately when they started school their accents were gone wow yeah like they and, and they mm-hmm. still have it now when they're talking to like the family and stuff that you can they still put on they, their accents are still so thick but when they're around their school because they go to a white school too yeah. when they're on the school friends it's lost and i just kind of like there was like some, there's a sad there's a sadness yeah. to that you know right. yeah I mean, that like, process yeah. of assimilation yeah Ugh. But it's like, you know, it's as I'm saying it's so important to talk about because first of all, I don't think non-whites know that we we I mean, sorry, white people know that we actually do that. Um, right. And also Yeah, there seem to be it's interesting some of these Q&As we've been doing a lot of Q&As mm-hmm. on this press run. Um we get asked by often non-people of color what was it like to play two characters? Yeah. Oh, interesting. And I'm like, it was one character. <laughs> that is, it, yeah. One I mean, character. Like, yeah, yeah. Who, who I mean, switches? Yeah. Because that's a that's a contemporary black experience. Mm-hmm. You know, we all do it in some way. Yeah. yeah. It, it was interesting because like me and Amanda are both from Texas, but we grew up like at different times. But I, it, it was weird. I guess I was code switching, but I didn't know it at the time. Mm. Like. I didn't know I was Filipino at school until someone pointed out to me. You know, you, right. it, it, it's that kind of right, conversation. Yeah. Or like, I want—I didn't want to be Filipino in Hawaii, yeah. which was, which I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. Um, because I grew up in a predominantly white school, mm-hmm. and there was me and another Filipino kid at my school, which mm-hmm. was huge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course, it'd be all. Are you two related? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Don't even. <laughs> Don't even start. Right. And then, like, my my friends would point out stuff. They're like, "Oh, oh my!" Like, they would be joking, but I would laugh. But it hot, scarred me. It they'd really be, did. They'd be, they'd be like, "Do you eat dog?" And oh, I'd be god. all, ah. "Yeah." 
it really does. Yeah, yeah right. it, it does leave a mark. And even still today, I think about it too. Like the way I way I interact with my you know black and white friends. I'm like, do I still kind of have that? Um, I guess do I still do it? I don't mm-hmm. know. It's it's anymore. a subconscious thing. Yeah, I think. It is. I think it is. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Yeah. Also, you know, I I definitely still do it. I mm-hmm. mean, I code switch between work environments, home environments, yeah. black family, white friends. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's a constant code switch. Yeah. I think that's that's a normal part of being a marginalized person, even yeah. if you're gay and you you enter a space where you know you have to present yourself straighter yeah because mm-hmm. you know it could be potentially not safe for you mm-hmm. in that space i think mm-hmm. it's it's natural yeah um was there like um i mean you you kind of touched on this before um but was there a certain point in your career life when you kind of like star was like I need to use my platform. This is the moment. Mm. Yeah, I think probably when I was uh, 16, mm-hmm. or maybe 15 or 16, mm-hmm. and it was definitely like really inspired by um, my peers, mm-hmm. uh, specifically my online peers, mm-hmm. not really my, my peers in person yet. <laughs> we were getting mm-hmm. there. But I went to a school um, like Star in, in the book and in the movie that was predominantly white. Uh, and I grew up in a neighborhood that was black, and so I was doing that code switching mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt really isolated at school. I felt like, you know, there were few people there that I could relate to in that way. Um, I was figuring out how to make myself smaller and kind of more digestible and how to mm-hmm. fit in, but it was never going to happen because, <laughs> you know, I was black and I wasn't privileged and wealthy in the same way. Mm-hmm. There's just different cultures. Um, But I think starting to have an online community uh, and recognizing that there were a lot of people like me and just also witnessing kind of the celebration of blackness that started happening on platforms like Tumblr, Instagram, Twitter, Mm -hmm. um, was really inspiring and made me feel like I could contribute to that dialogue. And then I ended up posting this video that I made for my history class uh, that ended up accidentally going viral and that was the first time that i was like oh shit people are actually responding to this and yeah. they want to have this conversation yeah. i can actually share this type of these types of thoughts in a public forum mm-hmm. and and it can open up dialogue and it can, it can be a place for people to discuss yeah you know personal matters also political matters mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you prevent from like kind of like falling in that rabbit hole? Because the online community can be can be brutal, sometimes. especially yeah. now. Yeah, especially. <laughs> oh, now. especially now. Well, you know, I don't really participate in the online community the same way that I used to. Okay. Just because I don't, I don't right now. I don't really find it um, personally. I don't find it as a, a space that's conducive to growth yeah. for anyone. I feel like it really used to be. Uh, there's this really special sweet spot in time where I think um, it was the first time that, that those public forums, those online forums were being used in that way mm-hmm. and, and it was like this kind of free-for-all for people to throw out thoughts and 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 receive responses and kind of understand their thinking mm-hmm. and their identity and the space that they inhabit and that was really beautiful and people would get clocked for sure mm-hmm. um, but it was in a way that was helpful like hey it's you need to understand your privilege in this way and understand world history context whatever in Mm -hmm. this way Mm -hmm. and we're going to help you learn 
And that was really important to me at that time. I felt like I learned a lot from my peers and from those online spaces. And now I just I just don't find it um, helpful. I think it scares people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that makes me sad because cause there's no way you can grow without messing up and yeah. without having conversations. But people aren't even allowed to ask questions right now yeah. in those spaces. So I'm, I've kind of like pulled back a little bit from those places and like kind of looking for other communities mm-hmm. to, to oh, have those sorts yeah. of discussions in. Um, but I'm hoping it'll shift back. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, yeah, it's actually getting really... It's, it's getting worse. It's getting worse, yeah. <laughs> it's and it's like with our jobs, we have to be connected. And it's of course. Like, yeah, it's like... Yeah. Oh. And it's kind of It's very discouraging yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have, sorry. Um, I remember you say, or I read somewhere that you had a hand in kind of shaping your character. Yeah. Uh, Star. Yeah. Can you tell us, I know, other than um, the fact that you guys kind of had the similar upbringings when it comes to schooling, like what else did you bring um, of yourself to the character? Um, hmm, that's a good question. Um, I got uh, attached to this project when I was in my senior year of high school. So I was mm-hmm. still going through some of the things that Star mm-hmm. was going through in the book. Um, and it was before the book was even published yet. Uh, so I had it in my heart for a really long time. I was kind of kind of had the time and the space to think about it for about a year. Um, until we even started going into the script writing process. And then uh, I was there for that process and was able to bring some of myself to it, just even through like vernacular and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, We had a screenwriter who was amazing and has since passed away, but her name is Audrey Wells. And she was just really receptive and and wanted the work to be the best that it could. So she actually um, brought me in and said, hey, I don't organically understand yeah. African-American vernacular English. I don't really speak that language. There are phrases, terms, whatever, that are in the book that I don't understand. And and I just want you to clock anything that you think feels inaccurate mm-hmm. oh. and bring the accuracy and, and the relevancy to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was really open to that. Uh, so we we had like a couple sessions together where we just went through the script and and I gave her certain perspectives that I had also even just going to a white private school, um, dating white people who don't understand your perspective but mm-hmm. have their hearts in the right place, exactly. yeah. um, doing that code switching thing, you know, like we uh, we talked through all of that and so I think I was able to bring um, just some of my experience and. And some of my, uh, I guess, personality. But there's a lot mm-hmm. of star already in the book. You know, mm-hmm. she was already all the way there. So it was. I feel like my role was just to kind of, as a black girl, protect her as much as I could. Yeah. And just make sure that she didn't get whitewashed in the process of, of filmmaking. But everyone was really open to protecting her. Yeah, uh-huh. that's important because, yeah. you know, a lot of people get criticized, especially when you're telling the black story, depending on who's preferred. You can make it... It could be like it could be. I guess you can make it feel like you're. You feel sorry for that, you know. Like mm-hmm. it's not necessarily. It's like you. You feel sorry for what you did, and this is this is kind of the way you're showing it. But it's important, mm-hmm. like you said, to like incorporate like incorporate other people that have the perspective of what you're trying to portray. Because yeah. I mean, it's just it's just all about shaping an authentic story, and I think that's great that 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 they that they included you in that. Yeah, yeah. and I think I mean I think I wish more people would do that. Yeah, too, especially right. with, with with Hollywood and like. You know, and it was great that she was open saying, 
I don't get this. Please explain. Exactly. Right. Instead of like saying, I think I understand, so I'm just gonna do like, it. Like I read way. this yeah. book and I yeah. did this research. That's so stuff. important. It is. Espe- yeah. especially not only in like Hollywood, but like in life. You know, mm-hmm. with, with you know friends who like white friends or people who don't understand your culture or whatever. But, like, yeah. Just ask. Just yeah. ask. It's not yeah. my place. Yeah. yeah. No, and it's so funny because some people just don't, they don't want to ask. Just Because they're nervous. Yeah, they're nervous. Yeah, they're they're nervous. But I'm just like, please just ask. Because honestly, I would rather you ask me than you tr- interpret it the way you think it's supposed to be. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you project your own assumptions. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, just ask. And no one's going to get upset about it. I mean, even if they do, like then there's something wrong with them. But I'm just like, just asking, you know, the, the answer would, it's not hard to find. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so was, um, was there ever a moment in your career or your life, well, like, let's just say your career, where you felt like you did have to hold back um, your voice? And how did you deal with that? Hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> We're getting some Barbara Walters <laughs> questions here. Um, <laughs> You mean like within the context of a role or just like period? Or just like, you know, be like, like choices. your outspokenness. Yeah, like, yeah. Is there ever a moment where you felt like you should, you, sh- you couldn't be outspoken about something or you, want, you needed to hold something back in order to? You know, I, um, I contemplated whether I, or not I should come out for mm-hmm. a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but not even that long. I, I feel like I came to the decision pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was warned by by some people like hey just so you know if you come out as gay the way that studios will think about you will shift mm. and they won't be able to market you mm-hmm. as a straight girl and whatever <laughs> wow. and mm-hmm. i just wasn't um i just want to be happy in exactly. my life so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right and so so for me no no career path is worth sacrificing um my personal comfort and safety in in expressing my identity as mm-hmm. authentically as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't that difficult of a decision to come to, but I did think about how it might shift things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but oh, um, wow. I don't know. I I'm I just I don't know. I find myself in this place of, of having this strange privilege of being able to think that way. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think people in the past have been able to think that way yeah to just be like i'm gonna do me exactly and frick everything else like exactly. yeah, yeah. i am in a strange place now and i think it's because of the social political environment that we're in where me being authentic about my identity gets politicized mm-hmm. in a positive way and then that actually is appealing to studios who are kind of grasping for a more direct connection to their target audiences yeah. That's crazy to think, oh, we can't market you as a straight person. <laughs> what? Like, oh. can you just market me as a person as that's, a human? like, really good for this? It's so, it's so crazy. We were talking about this the other day, like, how, like, people are still having to do coming out stories, you know? Like, it's just one of those things where the fact that straight people don't have, like, why do people, why can't just people live their lives? I'm and, coming and, out straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, you want to get to a point where anybody can just kind of be whatever they are. And it's not like, oh, wow, you're, you're this way, you know? Cause mm-hmm. you don't, you don't see straight couple and like, oh, wow, this person likes women or mm-hmm. men or whatever. It's like, <laughs> right. I mean, I, like, yeah, I think I, I'm hoping it's changing. I mean, like, uh, especially in film, like a lot of people don't have like a grand, you know, oh my gosh, they're gay. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, like we were talking about like on Charmed, she just happens to be a lesbian. Yeah. Right. And then they don't like put any frill around it. Right. Or yeah. Like that. I definitely didn't feel like within my circle of peers and, and within my community, I had to have like a big like, I'm coming <laughs> out. Like, I was just like, 
y'all already know what's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, let's it is, go. but it is. But it honestly, but I just think to think about it, it is important, especially for the people of color in our community, because there's still kind of the stigma attached yeah. to uh, to that life. I I was talking to somebody the other day, like literally a couple days ago, and he was like, oh. Uh, a guy can't be bisexual. Like it's either he's he's gay or he's straight. And I was just like, why do you say that? He's like, you just you just can't you just can't that can't be that can't happen. And I, and this person like literally was very firm in that idea. And is it was a black person too. So it is really important. I think you're, yeah. it's still important for there, people. There is like out. a further, and it's it's cultural and and so sometimes, for that reason, like I just kind of like push it away to ignore it. Yeah. But like there is within like our community, a different type of stigma exactly. around yeah, think, yeah. the entire idea yeah. of being gay or just not being straight. Yeah, and I think also it's a generational thing as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I was talking to um, the, the showrunner of that new show, Legacies, and how the show has a queer person in it. And she was telling me, she was all, I talked to my cousin about, she's a high school teacher in Chicago. She was like, oh, I talked to her about how how are teenagers now? And everything's so fluid in high schools. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I was in high school, you couldn't come out because you'd get beaten down. Mm -hmm. Or if you were, you'd be a weirdo. And also Mm -hmm. I was in Texas. Exactly. (laughs) God bless you. (laughs) But yeah, but it's like, it's, I think there's, this generation is just becoming so much more open and progressive, which is great. And I hope it just spills over into the older generation. Yeah. No, I hope so. Because I, yeah. I mean, I still, my, like I said, my parents are, my family's from Nigeria, and there's still a huge stigma about, about like, like we have a friend, one of my friends is on a show, and he's playing a gay character, and that was like, the biggest deal to them like mm. how can somebody just kiss a guy you know easy straight. <laughs> and I'm just like you know what it's black. <laughs> you know and I'm like and it's just one of those things that, and I hate when people say I don't like to equate it to black people's struggle and you don't need to like we're not we're not our struggles aren't the same but if you if it, it all bears down to human yeah human rights right like mm. it's like even if even if it is different everybody deserves to live a life that they they want to live if, if you're not harming anybody else, oh, that's, right? Like, that's, so, so that, that's... We understand that. Yeah. But that's, there's some people who don't. There's still people. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, maybe maybe it's still necessary. Yeah. Um, but like I said, the hope is one day that people can just live their lives without mm-hmm. having to, like fear or, or any any kind of judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so um, so what's next for you? You have the, you have the hate you give. You had um, The Darkest Mind coming at, come out earlier this year. What else do you have coming up? But you could break any news here. We are deadline. No breaking news here today. Um, A vacation? A a vacay. Nice. Oh, where? A a summer getaway. Nice. No, um, I am taking my time. Okay, good. Um, I, this was such a special, special project, just Mm -hmm. in terms Mm -hmm. of Angie's book and the the significance and the timeliness the story and the heart of it and just star was like the most <laughs> just amazing character to play uh, and so i think i think it's it's gonna be tough mm-hmm. to top to that top, you oh, know yeah. like mm-hmm. i have a really high standard now mm-hmm. um but i'm cool with that you know i i have you know for a long time understood you know like the one for them one for me mindset mm-hmm. the, the ways in which it's necessary to play the game sometimes mm-hmm. and like i'm still interested in playing it but like my expectations for what i should receive in terms of multi-dimensional black characters is definitely higher mm-hmm. uh and, and that's kind of the only work that i'm 
interested in doing Mm -hmm. and I'm willing to be patient uh, and just do work that means a lot to me and and put my full heart into it and and work on other creative endeavors also um, while that's while that's in process yeah Yeah. are you Um, because we saw that you you released albums in the past (laughs) I have not released albums but I have released a couple songs yeah okay so is there is that is that something you're gonna do more more so yeah oh good yeah I mean like after where hands touch and now the hate you give I think you deserve that would drain me yeah thank you (laughs) so what about like writing and directing is that something that you also see yourself doing that is 100% something I want to do oh Um, good yeah absolutely and that's always what I wanted to do I've always wanted to to direct um, and I'm in the process of Putting some things together. Well, <laughs> call us. Exactly. Wendy's are ready. Exactly. <laughs> Making some, some little tunes too. Oh, nice. nice. So, yeah. A renaissance. Have, having, yes. having fun. Yeah. A, a musical. No, oh, a musical. <laughs> no, that would be sick. Oh, that musical. would be. I would love those, to. Those do seem like they're really hard, though. Like, you have to write the yeah. music and write the, and the and lyrics. And all. And oh, the right. oh, honey, I'm not writing a music. <laughs> yeah. I would be in one day. Okay. Okay, so we like to kind of wrap up the interview with uh, some fun questions. So, knowing that you have a musical background, if you could only have one album for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh my god! Just one. <laughs> Just one album. Uh, <laughs> I know it's a hard one. It's hard. You said you had one. You had a good one. I, I my mine. I've mine is Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Honestly, damn. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, I know you is. can take it if you want. <laughs> I might have to take that. <laughs> I mean, be that. Maybe Awaken My Love. Oh, I was listening oh, yeah. to yesterday, Childish Gambino's oh, album. Okay. Oh, God. That is a good um, one. Miss Edu- yeah, but I think it would be Miss Education. Okay. Lauren Hill, what else we could, could share you possibly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could have the A side, I'll have the B side. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah oh, great. I mean, I could, that album. No, I mean, I just iconic. recently, yeah, I just recently listened. So I was like, oh, it's bops. still, it's still it's timely. Still yeah. It's still yeah. good. Yeah. It, it, it's still real. It's mine would be a Whitney Houston album, but I don't know which one. Oh, <laughs> like what era Whitney? Oh, it would be like '90s Whitney. Okay, like sometimes, yeah. Like it's not right. It's okay, Whitney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I stand for Whitney Houston. Like any everything, I have her greatest hits. I play it every single day. Yes. Maybe her greatest hits. That doesn't count. <laughs> it, it can't be that. That counts. <laughs> that does count. I think that counts. Okay. Yeah. I was like, oh, that doesn't count. Oh, so, okay. You are having a dinner party. You already know where this is going. <laughs> Who would you invite, living or dead? You could invite three people. Oh, my God. And what would you serve? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I would invite Audre Lorde, mm-hmm. Alison Bechtel. Oh, wow. And Ellen DeGeneres. Oh my God, <laughs> that's a good man. And I would serve oysters. <laughs> oysters are no, good. I'm not, I'm not a fan of oysters. You're not. No, I can't do the oysters. Okay, that's. A, mm. I can do like the the, the like the like a deep fried yeah, oyster. Anything deep fried is good. Um, so you've already done a lot in your career, but is there something that you haven't done yet that you're itching to do? Um, hmm, I guess direct a feature. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Is there is yeah is there like an idea of what you would want to do or do there you want is, do you want I to like spill the tea? <laughs> oh my god! See, I try to trick you. I know you're, you're a clever one. What about, what about the Can you tell us genre? Mm, coming of age. Okay. okay. 
All right. Okay, that's, I'll take it. Well, and let's go back to the other one where we, ta- we were talking about musicals. If you could be in a musical, what, what, like one that's like running or like one that has ran, what would you be in? I'm a huge fan of Chicago. Oh, yeah. would you be Roxy? I would be Roxy, <laughs> or oh. maybe Vel- wait, what's her name? Velma. 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 Yeah, Velma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, I mean, okay. Velma is a legend. Yes. Yeah. Icon. Yeah. Oh, God. Well. We'll, we'll see you on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, we, we always ask this to all of our, our guests. Um, is there an underrepresented voice in the industry, whether it be an actor, storyteller, creator, producer, director, whoever, who isn't, who is not in the mainstream that you want to give shine to? Ooh. And I know there's plenty, but feel free to name as many as you want. <laughs> that is a tough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically within Hollywood. Well, course. just like people who are just you know, doing, they're awesome, doing things, awesome things, yeah. but maybe they just don't have the platform to, to really like be known in the mainstream. I have a friend named Brooklyn Page who was like a, a genderqueer black rapper who's just so bomb. Mm -hmm. And I wish that their stuff would get more love sometimes. Um, So probably then, I think. There are some, you know, organizers and and activists that are doing so much behind the scenes work. I don't Mm -hmm. think they necessarily get enough credit where it's due. Yeah, Um, People like Alicia Garza, um, who is just phenomenal and like has been one of the pioneering voices behind Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we ride the accessible, visible parts of these waves, but we don't necessarily think about people who are doing the concrete. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Concrete like the heavy lifting. The heavy lifting. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you for the, the discussion. It was very enlightening. And- <laughs> And touching. Yeah. And I want to cry again. Keep doing, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, like, keep doing it. more young guys. people. My, my little cousins look up to you, and like I just love that you're like, that's the type of role model they're looking, they're looking up to. Because yeah. we didn't have these type yeah, of I didn't have, I was, <laughs> Like I said, I was a moron. <laughs> yeah. I was like doing stupid ass shit right, in like. high school. <laughs> cool. But thank, thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Amanda. Thank you.